the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. We are happy to have you with us, and we appreciate your time. We also appreciate your interest in growing your money, getting smarter, and capturing the peace of mind that comes that you know when you get to the end of the time you go to work every day that you don't have to worry about how you're going to pay your bills or how you're going to enjoy life. That's what it's about, managing your money, Reaching Financial Independence, that's what they specialize in at Aptus Wealth Management. 614-917-1040 is their number. Call that to set up your free consultation, or you can make an appointment online for your free consultation. Their web address is Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. While you're on their website, sign up for Josh's YouTube channel, and we'll be talking about his YouTube channel and the benefits of having content you can share with friends, rewatch time after time, pause, take notes on, We'll talk about that as this half hour of the program progresses. So uh, I was looking at some news events the other day, and I noticed that uh, there was a coach whose contract uh, was pretty lucrative, and they were talking about annuities, and the university was investing in an annuity for this particular coach. And obviously you are well-schooled in annuities and the benefits of annuities and the nuances on annuities. And I hear people uh, not well off like uh, a coach at this particular level would be talking about like, well, I have an annuity and it gives me a guaranteed this and that and the other. And so I'm just curious, what are the um, things that people might be mistaken about that annuities can do for them? So let's give a baseline of annuities. So annuities are, there's multiple categories of annuities. There's, There's kind of four general categories of an annuity. Um, there is a immediate annuity, which is probably what, you know, I'm not a huge sports follower, but probably what this coach was receiving was an annuity payment for the rest of his life mm-hmm. where the university goes to an insurance company, gives the insurance company a chunk of money, and then that chunk of money in turn pays a, think of it as a pension stream for the rest of that coach's life. And there's a bunch of options there for his life, his and his wife's life, maybe a certain period of years, et cetera. That is an immediate annuity. Then there are deferred annuities, and there are three different types of deferred annuities. There's a variable deferred annuity, which is essentially like mutual funds wrapped in insurance, and we'll kind of come back to that in a second. But then there's fixed annuities, where you think of them like a CD. Uh, However, the benefit uh, that goes along with an annuity is usually higher rates, usually tax deferral, and there's some other ancillary benefits to deferred annuities uh, on the fixed side. And then there's fixed index, which provide usually higher upside potential, but are still very much fixed and guaranteed. So think of it as kind of a hybrid between a variable and a fixed annuity. Now, just the mere term deferred means you're not getting your money right away. Right. 
you are deferring your money. Think of it as if I was working for a company, I'm contributing to this deferred annuity, it's growing, and then at some point I convert it into that immediate annuity that pays me money. And that part's the important part, because I think where people are misled oftentimes, and I have many of these conversations every single month where somebody will come in and say, I have this annuity that guarantees me 8 or 9% and gave me a 20% bonus to start it, to, to join up for it. And while that's true, there are bonus annuities out there that do provide guarantees. Typically, they're not talking about their real money. So think of it in a lot of annuities have these benefits and you pay for these benefits and you have your account value on one side of the table. So think of it as I have two sides to this annuity. Mm-hmm. One side is my real money. I put in 100000 bucks, and it's growing by some rate of return. Maybe that's variable. Maybe it's fixed. We don't know. It depends on what kind of annuity you have. But that annuity is going to earn some rate of return. Let's just say for argument's sake, for our example here, it's 4%. It's guaranteed fixed earning 4%. And at the end of 10 years, well, 4% over 10 years, I probably have somewhere around 150 ish grand. But then it has this other benefit that I'm paying for. And maybe I'm paying 1% in an annual fee for this benefit. But this benefit says that that side of the column will grow by 8% guaranteed. And you'd say, well, wait, this is getting confusing already. What are you talking about? What, what's the 8%? It is a calculation. That is it. It is not your real money. You have to f- abide by a whole set of rules to actually be able to use that column. Now, first, let me say this is not a bad thing. It's just important to know the difference. Mm-hmm. What that 8% is typically calculating is something called a living benefit rider, or you'll hear them uh, termed as an income rider or some sort of benefit rider. At the end of the 10-year period, my real money is 150. But the other side, grown at 8%, heck, that might be 210, 220,000 bucks. If I walked in at that point and said, Mr. Insurance Company, give me all my money, they would give you $150,000. That 220 is of zero value to you. Now, sometimes... If you were to die at that point, your beneficiaries might get 220000 So that's cool. It's an, it's an extra benefit. Or if you decided to take income for the rest of your life, it might be a percentage off the 220. So you might end up getting 5% off the 220. But wait a second. Okay, so I can get 5% off 220 as opposed to 5% off of 150. That sounds good. 4% off 150. Yeah, or, yeah. or 4% off 150. Right. It sounds good. But the, the fact of the matter is, It is an Excel spreadsheet calculation for all intents and purposes. They are taking that money. Let's just say for argument's sake, it's 10,000 bucks a year. They're taking it from your 150. So you're running out of money really, really quickly. If you're taking 10 grand out of something that's only earning 7,500, it's bleeding down. But in the event that you run out of money, that living benefit will continue to pay you for the rest of your life. So I'm not saying by any means, that's a great benefit. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but here's the important takeaways. You are not earning a guaranteed 8% rate of return. You're earning a guaranteed 8% calculation. You are earning 4%. You're not earning 8 Number two, that money that you start to withdraw is not coming off of the larger number. It's coming off of your own amount. And thirdly, you're paying a huge fee for it. And in some instances, upwards of 1.5% just for this benefit. I've done a lot of calculations where living benefits for you to actually have benefited from them. You better live well into your 90s or you just made the insurance company a whole pot full of money. Wow. I'm my head swimming, which is often the case here on the show. (laughs) But I'm just curious. Like the first thing I thought was, how does this turn out to be profitable for whoever's holding the money and paying out the returns? Because I know they're making money. They couldn't afford to do it. They would go under 
and it would be a Ponzi scheme. So is it just that they have so many people contributing to this, or how, how is it profitable for the, uh, insurance the, the giver of the, com- of the return? Yeah, so one thing that insurance companies are tremendously good at is knowing when a large group of people are going to die. They use something called the law of large numbers, and you can, if you're an actuary, which is a field of study, you can go get a job in mm-hmm. an insurance company. And while they have no idea when you and I are going to die, if they put 10,000 of us in a room, they have a very good idea how many of us are going to die and when. So they actuarially backtest and calculate backwards and then put in hedge positions and all sorts of technical stuff to, to cover their position. And again, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. What I am saying is anytime you make an investment, you should know all of the information. You should do math to calculate and see if this makes sense for you. So, for example, does a living benefit make sense for you if nobody in your family lives past 70? Absolutely not. I have a client, and this is, hand to God, this is the craziest uh, situation I've ever heard of. No one in her family has died under the age of 100. Whoa. She has two relatives that live past 110. In her scenario, this could be the best investment she ever made in the rest of her, you know, it's the best investment ever, right? You just have to understand your scenario and then pick investments that suit you. And you can't do that if you don't understand the mechanics of what you're picking based upon. So it's important to dive in. And that's why it's so important, I believe, that my role is not one necessarily of picking the investments for you. It's a one of quarterbacking what is a good pool of investments, then educating you on your choices and you having some skin in the game to understand why I'm doing it, having a comfort level with it, and then understanding what the pros and cons are of it so that you can kind of live the rest of your days feeling good about it. Yeah, that is absolutely true, and that's, that totally describes how my wife and I uh, emerged from our consultation with Josh and the Aptus team and how we ended up as clients is that it just was just a load off our minds to be doing all of this kind of stuff on our own. A, we have limited understanding. B, we have limited time. We're not on top of it. And C, we know the consequences of doing it wrong. You don't get a chance to do it over when you get into your 50s, 60s, and 70s. You can set up your free consultation with Josh and the Aptis team by calling their office, 614-917-1040. You can also make your appointment by doing it online at AptisWealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptisWealth.com. Their offices are located in Lewis Center just off Route 750. It's not far from 23 and 270. And they can also be your fiduciary and take care of your investments and help you craft your own Aptis retirement blueprint. If you are outside the area, they have clients all over the country. I don't know, maybe all over the world, but you confer with clients in a lot of different places, and our technology these days allows us to do that. People might infer from your comments about annuities that if you go to Aptus, we're not doing annuities. And I I don't think that's right because you don't have, like, we do this. This is all we do. We do this kind of investing or this kind of investing or this kind of investing. I've said before how I marvel at the number of options that you are A, versed on, and B, can offer people, but you don't have a set way that every client you have does this. Absolutely not. Now, I will say that when it comes to the world of insurance in general, so I'm speaking about life insurance, annuities, and then there's a million different types of life insurance, there's a million different types of annuities, the pool definitely does get murky. And and that's why I think, large in part, insurance gets a bad name. But for every person that you've talked to that says, oh, I would never buy life insurance, you can give... 10 more examples about somebody, myself included. My father died when I was 13 years old. If it wasn't for life insurance, I assure you, I would have had a much different life. Mm -hmm. So insurance has its place. The problem is, it's not necessarily as clear cut as buying and selling a stock. You look at Coca-Cola and you go, what am I buying? 
I'm buying a share of Coca-Cola, conversation over, yeah. right? And whether or not I'm buying it at a good price is really the argument. What it's going to do in the future is a good argument. But the fees associated with it are pretty cut and dry. Insurance, on the other side, on the other hand, while they are, in fact, heavily regulated, there's a million different ways that they skin that cat. I mean, you can have, like I said, there's four different types of annuities, and then there's, I don't know, 10,000 different insurance companies that are all developing their own nuanced little products. So I think it's important not to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, well, I had this friend that had this annuity contract, and they really had a bad experience. That's one of 10 million different products, right? And with everything, I'm sure if you looked at the education system, you would say, I had a really bad teacher, so I'm never sending my kids to any schooling of any kind, (laughs) right? It doesn't make any sense. Because there's another tremendous teacher. You just need to know how to decipher. You need a filter for what are the good ones and what are the bad ones. And I've been doing this a long time. We have some pretty darn good filters. So are the good ones and the bad ones uh, constant, or are the good ones and the bad ones reflective of market conditions at the time? Sometimes it's right to be in one thing. Sometimes it's right to be in another. Both. So there's definitely companies that are kind of known as these are for the people who really don't care about clients but really are driven by commission. There's undoubtedly those carriers that seem very consistent to stay in that lane. There are other carriers that are very consistently of high fiduciary standards, in my opinion, that are looking out for the best needs of the consumer. However, what you elect to choose for you will differ based upon your scenario, but then also what type of annuity or type of insurance you will choose can be largely impacted by interest rates in the economy at the time, market volatility, your position in life at this particular time, the season of life you're in. So it, it absolutely ebbs and flows. For example, you know, fixed annuities for the last, I don't know, 15 years or so have been paying 2 and 3%, just like everything else. Well, that's not really that interesting to people. You're certainly not going to reach your goals very quickly. But, you know, if you're a CD buyer and they were paying 3 and CDs were paying 2, maybe it's attractive to you. But now fast forward to today, and we're looking at rates of 5 6%, where now we're getting into almost historical 10-year returns for the stock market. People are getting more and more attracted to those things. So it definitely does ebb and flow. Josh Pick, Bruce Hooley with you here. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. The show will re-air tomorrow at noon, and Josh joins me every Monday at 12.30 p.m. for Money Monday on 98.9 The Answer. His office is located in Lewis Center. It's Aptus Wealth Management. You can make your appointment for a free consultation by calling their office at 614-917-1040 or by setting up your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. We've talked before about people who have this um, insatiable desire to be the person who picks the next big stock, and they can get sucked in by people who offer, hey, pay me this much money per year, and I'll clue you in on the wink-wink inside stuff. Picking a stock and trying to put everything into one stock, certainly that's pretty self-evident in the risk. But mutual funds are collections of stocks. Yet there are some mutual funds that really do well and other mutual funds that don't do well. And I know from years past when I invested in mutual funds, like it's not like they own a little bit of 10 stocks. I mean, they own a bunch of a bunch of stocks. So explain the disparities in mutual funds and how important it is to pick the right mutual funds, which I assume is more science than uh, than maybe people might think. Yeah, I mean, there's much like we were just talking about insurance and how there's you know thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of different products and the selection amongst those products matters. Selection amongst funds matters. 
in a in a myriad of ways. For example, you said you know a lot of times they own tons of stocks. Yeah. Sometimes they might own twenty. Sometimes they might own two thousand. I mean, it's literally that big of a range. And we all know that diversification is important. That's why you're in a mutual fund to begin with, because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, mm-hmm. right? So you go into mutual funds. And then we probably know that not only is diversification amongst stocks important, but diversification amongst different asset classes is important, which is why most people will own kind of a, a, a potpourri of, of stocks and bonds. And then amongst stocks, they'll have some large companies, some small companies, international companies, value growth companies. There's all these different kind of sectors. Uh, maybe you want to invest you know, a little heavier in healthcare than you do in uh, you know, technology, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. But even if you look in those subcategories of technology stocks or large cap growth stocks versus large cap value stocks, the disparity of fees that you pay, the disparity of track record, the disparity of hence return and volatility can be widely disparity. I mean, there can be such a wide disparity between them. So, for example, if you look at the top large cap value stocks in the country, the ones by performance, by price, et cetera. And you can look these up on, you know, Morningstar is kind of the consumer reports of finance. So they mm-hmm. track all this stuff. So this isn't me saying this. You can go look at a third party, third party to see it. You will see ranges of returns that are spread apart by more than 10% wow. in one year versus the other. And does that mean that, well, well you just, I'm just going to go on Morningstar and I'm going to pick the one that's had the best return over the last 10 years. Well, no, there's more to it than that. It's what are they investing in? And if I look forward, is that the place that I think is the best to be? So there's there's kind of some some science, and then there's just factual data. You know, if, if you know that you're paying one percent for one fund and the other one you're paying a half a percent for, then it's very clear that one's cheaper than the other. But if one performs ten percent more than the other, then maybe that half a percent really doesn't matter that much anymore. So you have to come up with some sort of methodology on why you're picking these things. And have to have some sort of economic forecast. And what does that mean? I, Because I, people say this all the time. What do you think is going to happen with the stock market? Mm-hmm. If I knew that, I would I would be making videos, like we said in the last section, yeah. where I'm charging for... <laughs> like nobody, nobody really knows. But we can determine whether or not we're in favorable conditions for certain asset classes or unfavorable conditions. For example, um, you know, right now I would say that the government is making green energy kind of a favorable place to be. Yes, they are. I would say that the rise in interest rates is definitely having an impact in certain sectors of the economy. We just got done talking about housing. So if we could look at all of those things and say, okay, we know that we have a headwind. If we invest in certain things, what is our upside downside risk here? And the goal should be, I want to pick the best funds. And then I want to pick the best strategy that if the market does really, really well, I benefit as much as possible. But if the market goes the other direction, which is arguably equally opportunistic, sure, right? of course. if it goes the other direction, how much have I protected myself against all of this? Now, if you're 20, you're probably more interested in even beating the market as much as possible, and volatility isn't that important to you. If you're sitting on the one-yard line going, I'm really hoping to retire in the next three years, two years, six months, would my opinion of retiring at that point change if I lost 20 or 30%? I probably want to do something about that, but I don't want to do this about it. I don't want to take all my money, put it under the mattress, or throw it all into a 100% into a fixed annuity and only earn 4 or 5% for the rest of my life. Maybe you do, but it might just be because you're not aware of how to handle the other options. Yeah, and when you talk about mutual funds, I mean, I remember from 30 years ago when newsletters were coming at me right and left because when you subscribe to one, wow, guess what? Your mail fills up with offers for others. There are 
people who say, you know, invest in only no-load mutual funds, no fees. And then there are people who say, ah, you won't get anything for that. You've got to invest in only load mutual funds. And I mean, that just, even to me then, and it's rudimentary as my understanding of it was, I realized like, well, they can't all be bad or all be good. And then the other thing about mutual funds that I'm curious about, they seem to me like once they become uber successful and grow and grow and grow and grow, they're less nimble. Does that make them less apt to repeat the returns that they've repeat that they've had in the past to get a lot of people to invest in them. Well, I think Warren Buffett's a great example of that. You know, Warren Buffett at every single shareholder meeting for the last 10 years has said, I don't think Berkshire Hathaway is going to be your best performing investment anymore. We're just too darn big. We can't buy enough stuff for the amount of cash that we have coming in. And we're not going to just start buying stuff for the sake of buying stuff. So we have tremendous cash drag, meaning that we have all this cash that's earning Pretty much nothing. Mm-hmm. That's just the anchor behind the boat. Well, similarly, what happens with mutual funds that get just absolutely gigantic is you end up looking at you can't get enough of the stock that you really want. So you end up having 250, 300 positions. Now, if I sat down and asked you right now, I want you to come up with your 300 best ideas, you would start chuckling. Yeah, I'd be I in mean, trouble. Um, so that's really what, you know, let's, let's take a step away from mutual funds for a second because they're not the only option. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're a tremendous option but they're not the only option. Sometimes it makes more sense to do something called a separately managed account. And a separately managed account is essentially a mutual fund, but it is personally managed for you. So let's think about this. Let's take that example of you have this mutual fund manager. Great. The person, she's doing fantastic. Mm -hmm. You, You love this mutual fund. However, it's got 400 different stocks in it. It's got 400 different stocks in it because she is currently managing $300 $300 billion, right? So she can't possibly buy enough Coca-Cola stock or enough GM stock to, to get where she wants Yeah, because to there's limits on how much they can buy. Absolutely. And then if they buy it, then there's limits on how much of they can they can sell it. Right. Right. Because the companies would be too dramatically impacted by one particular mutual funds transaction. Makes total sense. Yeah. But if she did the exact same thing, a mutual fund, think of it as a fractional ownership and no different than buying a fractional ownership in a, in a vacation home. Mm-hmm. And a separately managed account is essentially we take the same investors, the exact same investors. But what we're going to do now is we're going to open an account in your name. So you don't own the XYZ mutual fund. You own the Bruce Hooley mutual fund. Hmm. And we're going to, rather than my top 300 ideas, I'm going to pick my top 50. And you're going to own the individual shares. Well, are you ever going to own more than 10% of Coca-Cola? Well, I hope you do. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I hope you do. But chances are you can get in and out very, very quickly. Now, that, that brings upon a lot of advantages, particularly if you're not investing in a retirement account, because it can be much more tax efficient, because there's something in mutual funds that happens, and you'll, 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 call it, you'll hear it called a loser's tax sometimes, where that is, you know, what other people are doing that you're sharing the pool with in the mutual fund impacts you. You might put 100 grand in, it goes down to 90 grand, and you get a bill at the end of the year that says you owe two grand in taxes for gains, and you go, I, I don't... I'm not real good at math, but I didn't earn anything. Yeah. And that's because the person, the other person in the pool sold their funds out. They had to sell some stuff, and they probably sold some of the gains, right, and some of the losses, tried to offset it. But th- what they did passed through a tax loss to everybody or a, a, you know, a tax detriment to everybody. Sure. When you own the individual shares, you have some more control over what is bought and sold, you can make sure that you held shares long enough for them to always be long-term capital gains. There's huge advantages to actually doing separately managed accounts. And you might ask, why doesn't everybody do those? 
Well, because if you tried to do one of those 20 years ago, it was probably about a $10 million minimum. Fast forward, technology is a powerful thing. Now you can do it all the way down some instances, you know, down into the low tens of thousands. So very powerful strategy, particularly for taxes, but fund selection matters. Yeah, fund selection matters. And I would argue, too, that the person who's in charge of your investments matters a lot. It matters the most. And I've chosen to go with Josh and the Aptis team because, first of all, I mean, we sat and talked uh, in this kind of a interaction for two years. He never once asked me, hey, why don't you let me manage your money? And uh, I didn't know if that was because he thought I didn't have very much or what it was, but it was just, you know, I was really struck by that, that somebody who's secure in what they do, uh, they're not out like mining for business all the time. And we've talked about a lot of things here that are complex, as we do every week. But I think Josh does a great job of making them understandable. And if you're looking for peace of mind, if you're looking for somebody that is, as we've said many times, required by law to do what's best for your investments, Aptus Retirement Blueprint is a fiduciary arrangement between you and them. Set up your free consultation, 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com. Josh, thanks for your time. See you next week. You as well. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. We will be discussing ways that you can react to the varying conditions that are out there. Maybe your retirement plans have been hit hard by the conditions that have intruded on our lives here over the past two years, inflation, recession, interest rate hikes. You hear all those things thrown around all the time. What does it mean for you as you save toward retirement? Josh and his team at Aptus would like to give you a free consultation so that you can learn more about how to arrive at that position in your professional life without a nasty surprise. And let me tell you, it is certainly worth your time. I've done it. My wife and I are Aptus clients, and so I would highly recommend that you do the same. 614-917-1040 is their number at the office. You can also reach them on the web at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. What has the last year been like for a lot of clients? Josh, you have uh, the blueprint. You have a plan for everybody. I'm sure that every client, like Sherry and I, uh, who've sat for the consultation and have entered into an arrangement with you, they have their own individual plan. Um, How have they processed a lot of this kind of drama, for lack of a better term, over the past year? Yeah, well, let's, let's talk about what the last year was. 2022, the S&P 500 was down roughly 20%. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the bond market was down approximately 13%. NASDAQ abysmal as well, which is small company stocks. International stocks fared just as poorly. So really, there wasn't too many places to run. Mm -hmm. At the same time, until we started combating inflation, if you pulled your money out of the stock market to try and weather that storm, savings rates until very recently were paying basically point nothing. So clients were really left with a difficult scenario. However, we had a plan. And remember, we talked about building in those layers of protection. And I think it was uh, was it Mike Tyson that said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, for a lot of investors, they've used this as just getting punched in the face. So let's create a scenario that's, you know, terrifying. I'm two years away from retirement. I planned it all out. I'm good to go as long as I keep on getting my 6 or 7 or 8% rate of return or whatever they based it upon. And, you know, 6, 12, 18 months out, smack. I got punched in the face. I'm down 20%. Now, I will say that that's the average investor. Uh, and if you think about the 60-40 portfolio, which has kind of been the, the gold standard, 
if you were 60% stocks and 40% bonds, you were still down 15, 16%. So there wasn't really a way to hide. That adds a lot of trepidation. Sure it does. I would say that adds a lot of anxiety. And a lot of people are having conversations with me like, I don't know if I feel comfortable retiring at this point. Um, now, fortunately for our clients or people that have been working with us for a long time, and you speak to this uh, all the time, we had already had a plan in place that was what we call stress tested. Mm -hmm. So what we do is anytime you build out these plans, you have to create assumptions. You can't just pull these numbers out of thin air. So, for example, in our office, we look at inflation around the 3% mark which has been higher than it's been over the last 20 or so years, but lower than it's been than it was during the crazy 80s, right? But if you look over the last 40-ish years, it's actually only been about 4%, even if you include the crazy 80s. So three isn't that outlandish. It sounds outlandish to people today, though, because here we are. We just got done talking in the last segment about yeah. how inflation is, you know, yay, we're down to six and a half. Right. So... The way that we handle all these assumptions, and of course, there's assumptions across the board for things like what is the cost of health care going to be? Um, what is the stress that could affect Social Security as we enter into the 2030s? We know at some point um, we're going to have to make some very tough decisions about uh, keeping the solvency of Social Security going. Um, and there's a you know tax rates where really low tax rate environment right now, et cetera, et cetera. So what we do is we create assumptions based upon today. But then we start kind of stress testing that and saying, what if everything were to get 10% worse, 20% worse, et cetera, et cetera. So when we build a plan, I'm not saying we accounted for COVID because who knew what COVID Nobody was? Did. Yeah. I'm not saying we accounted for, uh, you know, we're going to spend $5 trillion and we're going to have runaway inflation and we're going to raise interest rates faster than we ever have before. Who knew that was coming? We don't know. But what we did look into was what if a lot of bad things happen, and can you weather that storm? So for most of our clients, the conversation's pretty easy. We've been working together for long enough that they know that I'm, I'm not pulling these numbers out of thin air. Uh, they're educated enough to know that we've, we've turned over every stone, and they say, hey, am I still good? Yep, you're still good. All right, fine. But for others, particularly new appointments, it's a different conversation. Yeah, I'm curious on new appointments. If you have found over the years, is it weighted more toward people who consider themselves to be in a desperate position? Like, wow, retirement has snuck up on me. I haven't been saving. Or is it more people who have come into some money and want to make sure that that's not something that they spend on things that will be temporal, like cars or boats or a vacation home? Yeah, it's all over the board. I mean, we were just talking offline about uh, one of your mm -hmm. relatives, and they had kind of an influx that they weren't anticipating, and that was the impetus for the call. Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting this. This is more than I feel comfortable handling on my own, so I'm going to go seek some advice. Um, that ranges from there all the way to people who say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of really good at this stuff. I'm an engineer. I can do Excel spreadsheets. I'm mathematical. Uh, my hobby is kind of looking into the market. Um, but I'd like a second set of eyes, and that's smart. As a matter of fact, um, and this is something that everybody listening can do, if you go to our website and sign up for our newsletter, um, we send out information pretty consistently. I mean, we don't blow up your email box, but at the same time, we, and one of the things that we sent out was uh, an article on how to enter the new year with a beginner's mind. And I think sometimes the riskiest client or the most difficult client is a client that has uh, you know, a pretty substantial amount of information so much so that they are unwilling to think of it like a beginner and let new ideas come into the fold. 
And we see this in, in sports. We see it across the board, right? This worked for me before, yep. so it's going to work for me again. And I'm not suggesting that this time is quote-unquote different. It's not new math. But uh, I would ask you to try and find a time in history where you've had the economic prosperity that we have today while simultaneously having the discontent with the political offices and everybody in politics while simultaneously having the level of debt that we have as a country, mm-hmm. while simultaneously having rising interest rates, supply chain issues coming off the longest bull run in the history of the stock market, while tandemly everything is going down. It's hard to find. So that does not mean that old ideas won't work, but it means that what you've been doing for the last 10 years probably isn't the best bet. So sometimes we almost we succeed in spite of ourselves and sometimes as a result fail because of ourselves. Well, and that, to me, underscores the importance of setting up that free consultation with you and your team at Aptus. And you can do that, folks, at 614-917-1040. Make your appointment via the phone, 614-917-1040. You can also set your appointment online, and the web address is aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. I noted this week in my research for the show that uh, 41%, 41% of federal spending depended on borrowing in 2021, in 2021, now, that was amid COVID, sure, so they didn't have as much tax revenue coming in, but boy, we do borrow a lot of money as a federal government, and we have higher interest rates now, so they get to pay the high interest rates too. And I wonder, because we've had these things happen here in the last two years that we haven't had a pandemic before, in our lifetime anyway, how much is it necessary, uh, or is it not necessary, to rethink things that we've always assumed about managing money and growing wealth, about asset allocation, and about, well, if you do this, this is the reaction you're going to get, or you're going to be exposed to this much volatility or whatever? Or Do those things that we've always counted on being, quote-unquote, true, are they still true? Well, there's a lot of debate in my world going on about this, and it's it's about the 60-40 portfolio, mm-hmm. which was widely regarded and has been for the last 40 years or so as kind of the gold standard of retirement portfolio allocations. And 60-40 simply means 60% in stocks, 40% in bonds. And for about the last 40 years, it's the last 25 for sure, it's kind of been a bull run in the bond market. And the reason that uh, people, and for the stock market for a large chunk of that, but that was the gold standard is it, it was widely understood that those two things were negatively correlated. They did not move in tandem. They almost moved in opposition. That's what I would another. think. I would think if the market's up, bonds are down. If bonds are up, the market's down. So, I mean, is the 60-40 thing, did it come about because you were basically trying to keep yourself from getting hurt too bad? If, you know, when, when one's up, the other's inevitably going to be down? Um, yes and yes. But it's not that simple. Okay. In other words, bonds are less volatile than right. stocks, but people flock to them in times of economic uncertainty. So if you think about this, one year the stock market might be up 20, your bonds might be up 2. So the bonds didn't really help you. They were arguably the anchor behind the boat, but they weren't negative either. So the blend between the two is positive. That's good. But then in times of like 08, 09, when the stock market took a significant tumble, People flock to bonds for safety. So bonds end up doing double-digit returns while the stock market is down. They were offering not much 
drag behind the boat and on the upsides, but a tremendous amount of safety mm-hmm. and reduction in loss during the downtimes. And then this gentleman named Markowitz comes along, wins the, you know, the Nobel Prize for this in finance. If you're in a 60-40 portfolio and you only pull out 4% per year for the rest of your life, adjusted for inflation at 3%, you'll never run out of money in the midst of any market cycle. Um, so that was kind of the gold standard. Another one of those assumptions that people have learned to count on. Absolutely. Um, and I think it was Einstein that said, you know, sometimes the, the restrictor plate, and I'm obviously not using his words here, but the restrictor plate to growth in science is that people get so married to what is considered to be common practice that we ignore subtle changes that void the common practice. And I think this is one of those instances. Uh, you know, it's worked before, so it'll work again. Well, we just got done saying that the bond market was down 13, the stock market was down 20. So that means your huge protection element saved you 3% of drop, so you're still down 16%. So this is where kind of that active management has some significant power. Because I will tell you that our moderate portfolio was not down 16%. It was not even down 13%. So how is that possible? Mm -hmm. The way that it's possible is... Short-term bonds do not have the same level of volatility or they're not as impacted by interest rates as long-term bonds. So if you can see this coming, you can see, and I'm guessing everybody that was listening went, well, they printed $5 trillion. I got inflation's now at 9%, 10%. -hmm. They're going to have to do something. And that something that the Fed is going to have to do is going to be raise interest rates. How can I benefit from this or how can I protect myself from this? And probably the only thing holding you back is you didn't know what to do. Right. Absolutely. So we knew what to do. Exactly. You so we, right. we shifted it to short-term bonds. We put some hedges in place on the stock market to make sure that we didn't go down as much as everybody else. Now, is that, am I telling you that the stock market went down 60, 40, went down 16% and we were up 20? I'm not telling you that at all. But I am telling you that the power of active management is limiting volatility. So I would suggest that You have two choices, and this is the big debate in my industry. The big debate you'll see in all the newspapers. I think it was even in the Wall Street Journal recently. They'll say, is this the death of the 4%? Meaning, Mm -hmm. still do the 60-40. Don't change that. But now just take less out. So let me do the math for you. If I had a million dollars, I can only live on 40000 bucks a year for the rest of my life, and now you're telling me that I can't even do that. (laughs) Well, anybody who's listening to this is probably doing the math and going, okay, so $40,000. If I take a million dollars divided by 4%, I'm not really good at math, but how am I going to live that long? Yeah. Right? And the reason that that's been the general assessment is because there's volatility. And when they put all the the dots on the graph that says these are all the possibilities, the only way they can guarantee that you're not going to run out of money is by just taking less and less. Well, by that condition, the best financial retirement plan is don't take any money and you'll never run out of money. That's not really the goal of retirement planning. No, it's not. Not at all. I mean, you're hoping that you manage your money or somebody like in your case is managing your money and that it's growing. And, you you know, the thing I like you talked about when one of the first things you talked about when we sat for the free consultation with you was you didn't really talk about retiring because that must mean different things to different people. For some people, it's playing golf every day at the villages and for other people, I, I don't know. But you talked about financial independence to the point where you can do what ever looks like a fulfilling way to live your life. Uh, and if you don't need to go to the office every day, um, 
that doesn't necessarily mean you stop going to the office every day or you stop going to the office two or three times a week. That the idea of what retirement is, you 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 led me into thinking about it in a different way. Well, I think I fall into this category too, and you fall into this category. Of, I don't, as long as I'm physically able, I get a lot of enjoyment and a lot of, um, you know, my my reason, my purpose for life comes from helping people and mm-hmm. working. Now, I'm not naive to the fact that when I'm 80 years old, I'm not going to be able to do it at the same clip that I'm doing it now. But I would like to get a, to a position where I get to decide what that day looks like. And that's really financial independence. So maybe when I'm 70 years old, I still have 20 clients, but 20 is all I really want to deal with. Whereas right now, 20, my office would be, uh, unless they all had a whole big chunk of money, yeah. we wouldn't have much of an office. So we want to get people to whatever that financial independence looks like. And, you know, if, if you want to continue to work, well, then good for you. Your position just looks even better through the money. But maybe maybe what you want to do doesn't even involve making money. Maybe you just want to do charity work, but you want to treat it like your job. You can't do that unless you have money. So I, I get a kick out of people oftentimes that will say, you know, there's a certain sector of the economy that goes, you know, money, basically money's the root of all evil. And all you care about is money. Nothing gets done without it. It just is what it is. If you don't think that money's important, throw it all in the trash can and see how cold tonight is in your house. Or wait, hold on. You don't have one of those That's either. Right. Yeah. So it is important, but it is not that we have a love for money. It's we have a love for what money will provide for us and others. You can set up a free consultation with Josh to get to know more about his perspective on saving and building wealth as it applies to you and your finances. Set that up online, aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com, or Make your appointment on the phone, 614-917-1040. Josh mentioned that I have a family member that got with him this week. He did that remotely. He does uh, reach out to and deal with a lot of his clients remotely, so you don't have to be here in Columbus, Ohio, or in central Ohio to do that. And when you're on the site, aptuswealth.com, setting up your free consultation, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And I want to talk a little bit about the offerings on the YouTube channel. First of all, I like the uh, avant-garde bull and bear up there. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Uh, but you have a couple of videos up there that caught my eye, including one, and I'm sure this is a conversation you have with a lot of clients, or maybe not even their, they're not even clients yet. They're people who meet you, and they probably say, well, why would I hire a financial advisor? I can do it myself. Because one of your videos is financial advisor versus a bear market. Take me through a little bit of a snippet of what people might learn in that five-and-a-half-minute video. Well, I, I did that one a while ago, but I will tell you that um, there's there's two things. One... Um, what types of questions do I get? Is it difficult? You know, I had a conversation with a client this morning and they said, you know, what kind of conversations are you having right now? I mean, everybody just got their statements from last year. Mm -hmm. And if they had a 401k and they were invested aggressively because they were in their 40s and 50s, they probably lost high teens, maybe even into the 20s. I told you about the friend I ran into uh, in a high school football game and he gave me the number and it was a... If, if he was only down a couple percent, it was a, a he's got really, a lot of money. A lot of money. Right, so right. there are a lot of people who got hit really hard last year. Right. A lot of them uh, are, I would argue, smartly kind of keeping the horse blinders on mm-hmm. until they get their quarterly statements. Well, you just got them. Yeah. For most most people. Um, so, you know, how do you handle those questions is something that, that I talk about in that video. And then secondly, you know, what can a financial advisor do or what does professional money management offer you that you can't just do on your own. I mean, we're in a, we're in a society now where 
you can probably take your engine apart just on YouTube. Uh, so, you know, why do you need a mechanic? Well, I assure you I need one because I put the engine back together with 11 spare parts and they were all important. But my, my, my point here is, is there a value? You're paying money to hire me. Mm-hmm. And I am not in the business of just stealing people's money. So there better be value there. And what is that value? That's what we cover. And I think that value is very clear. It's, it's peace of mind. It's planning. It's asking the important questions that maybe you forgot. And then it's risk mitigation through proper asset allocation at the right time, which we just got done talking about the difference in performance. So obviously that's there as well. Yeah, and I would say another aspect of it is that uh, I gained an understanding. It's just so much less stressful to think about retirement when you have an understanding of what your strategy is and why that strategy is the right strategy for you. And again, you, I don't think are someone who has, when you come here to Aptus, this is how we do it and you do it this way and that's it. Like you vary it according to the client, their risk tolerance, uh, the uh, nest egg that they have to invest and all those kinds of things. But I didn't feel like I was roped into any particular strategy. I really felt like it was more my decision what we were going to do than it was your decision, but I didn't feel like there was any disagreement at all because I reached that point of understanding. I would think that a big part of what you do is just education and probably hoping, uh, but I would anticipate that this is often how it works out. People come to the right decision for them without you having to calf rope them into it. The only thing that we are stringent upon is that we stick to the process. And the reason that we're so so much sticklers to that Mm -hmm. is because that's the only way that the proper education can be achieved that by the end of it, you feel comfortable making your decision based upon the choices that are available. So you're, you're dead on. I have never, uh, you know, this happens more often than you think. I'll have somebody come in and go listen to you on the radio all the time, or I came to your seminar or somebody worked that I know works with you and you're good. You don't need to talk about it. Don't just do whatever you think makes sense. I trust you. <laughs> that is the worst idea ever for them and me. It's it's just a terrible choice. So they're oftentimes shocked when I go, no. Well, what do you mean? No, I have a million dollars. You don't want to yeah. invest it. No, no. In meeting three or four, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. But no, I don't feel comfortable doing that at this point because I don't know enough information. And that there's only one thing that's worse than having no money in the stock market or no money in an asset class that's going to grow you know, aggressively for you, the hardest working money that you have. There is nothing worse than do it, not having any of that than putting it in there and then making the wrong decision to pull it out at the wrong time. That's no different than just stealing money from clients. I mean, if you, if you don't know them well enough to know how they're going to react or you haven't educated them enough so that they stick to the plan, they're going to hurt themselves in the long run. They're better off not doing anything. Okay, so set up the free consultation, 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. In the couple minutes we have left, I want you to address the person out there who primarily is counting on Social Security, and they know enough about the problems with Social Security and its insolvency that is coming, whether I watched a news segment this week where the commentator just kept saying, no, it's not insolvent. No, it's not insolvent. And I'm like, no, it, w- it will be eventually, but they'll they'll figure it out or they'll do something to figure it out. But talk to the person who's counting on Social Security, is worried about Social Security, but is also worried about coming in and feeling like 
they're going to get a lecture because they haven't done the right thing and there's nothing they can do. And so they don't want to come in and have their worst fears confirmed. What do you say to that person? Well, first, I would say the best time to plan would have been 10 years ago. Even better would have been 20. Even better would have been 30. But the next best time would be right now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're in the position today is what it is. But you can either put your you can put your head in the sand and just hope that somehow the problem magically you know, solves itself or we can come in and start talking about how do we start improving that problem. You know me well enough and, and hopefully listeners do as well that I'm certainly not going to lecture anybody. That's not really the way that that I am as, a, as an individual. So I'm not going to do business that way either. What I would suggest to you, though, is Social Security certainly does have a lot of problems. I agree with you that it's going to get solved. However, I think the biggest risk to people who are reliant heavily on Social Security is going to be inflation. Because the way that we get out of the problem with Social Security, in my opinion, is going to be the same way that the government gets out of problems with social with every other issue, and that's just borrow more money. Mm-hmm. And when we borrow more money, now there's some hurdles that we have to get over to be able to do that, because you know there's some amendments that we'll have to, to, to hash out. But if they borrow more money, it will ultimately mean that you have less actual purchasing power. So if you don't do something now, you are giving up the compounding of the future by not starting today and starting to at least move that needle towards being able to insulate yourself against the, the pressures of inflation. Yeah, there is no better time than right now. Set it up. Free consultation. 614-917-1040. Aptus Wealth, located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, a little bit north of 23 and 270. Aptus Wealth. A-P-T-U-S. AptusWealth.com. Josh, thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week. You as well. Thanks, Bruce. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.